Be brave enough to fight off despair. If you're a Gundam pilot, a new type, you can do it. Welcome to New Type Flash. This is a podcast where every other week we come to you with Gundam Universal Century in a more or less chronological order. This week we're coming to you with Gundam Double Zeta, episode 37. Uh, with us this week we have Scotty P. You know, they keep adding all of these heroes to the shield hero thing, like you know, the katana hero or whoever. I'm just waiting for them to add the guitar hero. <laughs> and we have Luke. I'm not caught up on the light novels, but there's like 20 light, 22 light novels now or something like that. I, I would not at all be surprised. And that's just like one of the one of the places they go. They have the seven instrument heroes and we've got the guitar hero and the drum hero and the and the song here. It's gonna be it's gonna be rock band, rock band world. Yeah. Heroin hero. Oh <laughs> boy. Uh, uh yeah. I I I I like uh Shield Hero, but this season I don't uh, the pacing of it's weird. I, I don't like it as much. The, the pacing of the first season was weird if you read the novels. So yeah, no, it was, but it was like it was really good content that they paced through. This this one, I mean, I think we talked about this before a little bit. Like the the story, the arcs they're going through right now aren't the best arcs in the light novels. Um, so they've, you know, they've got less to work with. I feel like. Well, I mean, it's really, really, really good, and then they get into that like anime trope of power escalation. Yeah, which they accomplished with realms or worlds or whatever you want to call it and uh, deal with that a little while, and then they figured it out. They figured it out how to do it well and make it enjoyable again. There's like one or two light novels that were kind of like just okay. The rest are great. Yeah. It's not why we're here. It's not at all why we're here, guys. Uh, I mean, this this episode is going to air tomorrow. This this is like the first time we've done an episode that releases like the next day in a long time. Clearly we're behind. Shit happens. So. <laughs> yeah um the editing's gonna be good on this one it's gonna it's gonna be as good as it is with most of the other episodes I was, I was gonna say oh we could just cut out that whole irrelevant bit about the shield hero but if it's going up tomorrow i sorry okay moving on um right so we are episode Ju- 37 yeah judo is telling us about haman leaving to seize control of space so they're gonna do the same thing by leaving for space from this Caraba base in Norway. Yeah. And don't forget uh, to, so f- from the last episode, we've, we've had Dublin get fucked. Um, and now w- we also learned after Dublin got fucked that, the, you know, they did just give side three to Neo Zeon. So um, Haman's, you know, going to her new duchy or whatever she wants to call it. They it's used to translate it as duchy. Back in my day. <laughs> it's going to be they, the Principality of Neo Zeon? I don't know. Did they change the translation since your day? Oh, yeah. the When Gundam first arrived in America, it was always translated as the Duchy of Zeon. Uh-huh. I remember that, yeah. Right. And then it was around the same time they stopped putting UN Spacey on the Federation things and <laughs> started putting EFF that they switched to like Principality of Zeon and then later Republic of Zeon. Uh, I don't remember exactly why, but yeah, it's it's roughly concurrent with the end of UN Spacey on Gundam merchandise. 
amazing. We should find some UN spacey gear. That'd be that'd be sweet. I think it's on. I'm not going to dig it right now, but I yeah, I can kind of see it. My master grade GPO one FB, uh, the some of the dry transfers on it that haven't completely fallen off because it's ancient, uh, have UN spacey. Yeah. So, uh, the Argama has, uh, parked itself, uh, for now in Norway and is now not for the record. It did not park itself. Somebody had to set that bird down. It's kind of autopilot. Come on, man. My car can park itself. Fucking Argama can do it. (laughs) Um, yeah, so it is now a Caraba um, piece of hardware, uh, and Bright brids fa- farewell to it and says, "Hey, this is going to be Caraba's now." I don't think we ever see it again, do we? No. Yeah, I'm sure there's like some random side story manga somewhere where it's like, "Hey, look, there's there's the Argama." There's reason to believe. <clears throat> Let me get real tinfoil for a moment. There's reason to believe it never moves. Because it's so fucked up. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. And there are some other shows in the far, far flung future where there's lots of things just buried. And I know there are other reasons for that, but and the argument doesn't show up in those, but you know, the thing is very in not good condition. That's why they're leaving it. Yeah. And Caraba is all kinds of out of sorts. So yeah, I, I could, I could imagine they just kind of, Skelt, like just take everything of value out of it and leave it on some like concrete slabs and it's it's one of those things you feel like you're gonna see it sometime when they make a i don't know a movie or something set in uc 115 and it's just gonna be a shot of that like parked and overgrown with plants and there's gonna be birds singing on it and stuff there's gonna be there's gonna be some remake of an episode of double zeta down the line of one of the crappy episodes and they're going to come back to it and they're going to completely redo the story and make an hour and a half movie out of it. And we're going to see the Argama on earth. You're going to get two, you're going to get two movies. You're going to get first movies. It's going to be a prequel to moon Gundam. You're going to get the moon, moon movie. Then you'll get the tiger bomb movie. (laughs) I'd watch the shit out of that. I would. I was I was gonna say I, I could picture like a side manga somewhere where like the Caraba crew picks it up and it's just like so beat to shit that it's just like every episode is is it like breaking down somewhere new and them trying to like fix it while the like while the natives attack them or something like that. And that's just like the whole manga is them just yep. like trying to limp through space in this hand me down piece of shit argument. It's going to be like full house. They're going to come back in 20 years. They need to pay all of the actors one last time like they did for instead of making like uh crew cruise Doan's Island uh, to have like a swan song for all of like the, the actors. They're just going to get all of the double Zeta actors and be like, all right, we're going to do full house in the original argument. <laughs> You know, apparently while they had, I don't know if they did it at the same time, but the timing is suspect enough to make me think this. But apparently while they had Char and Amaro's voice actors around, they uh, made uh, not them literally, but at least characters using their voice actors are the only dudes in this golf show that is otherwise an all cute girls playing golf show that Sunrise (laughs) is putting out. 
But there's two dudes in their char and Amaro, basically. That's yeah. funny. Anyway, so they finally are, you know, going to take off. And in judo, I enjoyed how judo, Bicha, El, and Mondo are having to ride up to space, basically in the cargo hold. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hang on to something. Well, and you see, too, like, it's on one of these, like, space highways where it basically is like this long ramp that gradually goes up and it takes off in like a challenger type like spaceship mass driver i'm sorry mass driver yeah but it's like a 1980s u.s spaceship right like it's just getting slung into into earth or into space um and they're hanging out in the cargo room like holding on to boxes where where, like everybody else is like strapped into a normal seat (laughs) Mm mm-hmm um judo mentions that he he is sad that they have basically failed up to this point uh to stop haman and neo zeon uh and l offers to uh comfort him holds his hand a little bit gets gets a little snuggle snuggle on him and uh when when they raise their hand for some reason i forget exactly why they raise their hand beach is like what the fuck, man? And she's like, I, I'm free. Like, I can, I can, I can do who I want to do, bro. Come on. Yeah, it's UC 0088. Get with the times. Yeah, it's freedom for women's. They finally get it back after the 21st century. After what Rekoa did. <laughs> uh, fuck Rekoa. Um, oh, plenty wanted to. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Camille. And Fa, we see them for the last time uh, for a while in, in a wrecked Glasgow. Yeah, and then kind of overlooking the wreckage of Glasgow and watching them take off, watching everybody take off in the, what are they called? The ho- hotel? Hotels? Whatever those ships are called, I can't remember. Hostel? Yeah, I don't. Um... It's, a, it's an unimportant tidbit. And then we get a I think we horizontal takeoff and landing shuttle hotel. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and then we see a glance of Sela hanging out in Dakar, which is kind of random. But well, and not just Sela. Oh, uh, who else? Lena, Lena is there. Apparently not dead. Yeah. This is not explained. Yeah, I, I thought this was a really weird scene where it showed like it showed Camille and Fa watching the takeoff, then it cut to. Was it Sayla and Lena together? Yep. Like, that was like, I, I paused that and rewound it and watched it a second time because I'm like, wait, what? And then just no information, no additional information. <laughs> right. So on Sayla, I did not go and fact check this. So to anyone listening, don't take this as fact. Take <laughs> this as me as your buddy just saying, I think I saw this thing one time and I'm speculating, but. I think it, the idea was Sayla was going to be more involved in the later parts of the show to help set up some of Char's counterattack, but the voice actress was not in great health, so her role is extremely limited. Um, and then with Lena, I don't know why they don't have Lena stay dead. I have no idea on that one, uh, but she's just here, unexplained. Maybe it's what it, dark. What it reeks of is... Tomino was out doing his movie stuff and he came back. He's like, wait, you killed her off. No, you can't do that. And just put him back. There you go. Judo wouldn't fight if she was dead. <laughs> um, she got sucked out into space and, and we saw blood spurt out. And uh, 
no, 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 she's fine. She's fine. Uh, all right. So um, Brighton Company head to side four and their spaceship, and they are heading towards the Lavia oh, Rose. I forgot to ask. Uh, I don't know if you guys know, because I couldn't find anything on on the Internet, but that doesn't mean there's no reason. And maybe if you guys don't know, a listener knows, but Sela is holding a stopwatch and like doing some kind of timing while they're watching those shuttles. And I don't know if that was to like time when they were going to see them or what they were. I didn't know if you guys knew of any reason that you use a stopwatch like during a, a spaceship launch. Maybe uh, to calculate like how fast launch. they're going and where they're going to like end up in space or something along yeah, those lines. I, I mean, know. I figured cause they were some distance away. Maybe it was, she knows when it's supposed to launch and then yeah. times it based on that to know like when to look that's all I could think of, but seems reasonable to me. <laughs> um, yep. So they get to the Lavian Rose, and we learn that there is a new Argama f- sitting there for them. It's called the Nail Argama, which means kind of like the Argama, <laughs> like the Argama, indeed. <laughs> so we have the Argama, which is like the Argama, but it's better because it's it's new. Uh, uh, Camille was, or not Camille, Judo was like, hey, did did the, did the moon build this? And he was like, they they never said yes or no, but that was the implication, is that it was uh, built in Granada. Um, so, Bright meets up with uh, Emery, shakes her hand, uh, and thus begins a, a several episode arc of Emery being extremely horny. Um, the grumpy old dude, uh, Madshar, it kind of looked like she went in for the hug and he like held out his hand because she didn't want that to happen in front of everybody. Yep. Yeah. Bright's a good father and, and, and husband. Um, yeah. All that time he spent with his family on earth just now, he's like a new man. Yeah. Completely new man. <laughs> I can see those fuckers later. <laughs> if we don't die. I'll go see him. <laughs> Doesn't mean I won't get my dick wet in between. <laughs> Um, What's the worst that'll happen? My kid will grow up to be a terrorist. What happens in space stays in space. Okay, different different area codes, right? Um, yep. So Madshar wants to talk to Bright, but everybody's like, "Nah, fuck it. Let's let's check out this ship." And uh, he kind of gets overruled. Um, Beach and Mondo turn out they want to run. A, they're talking about running a shipping company out of the Argama. They're back to kind of their entry ways of just trying to like monetize everything they're doing, even though they're in the middle of a war. Didn't they um, kind of imply like, well, what if we just took it when it was all done? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And, and it's fun. Like you, you, after, you know, a few episodes of some, some harder stuff, these guys are kind of running around the ship and having fun. And it's a, uh, it's a nice little uh, up for oxygen moment on, on the series. Um, uh, so some older guys show up and they kick all the kids out of the bridge. And by older guys, I mean, they're, they're probably like actually 18. Um, but we know how Gundam, you know, represents. Shalia Bull was a gray haired man that was 35. Right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, so 
there was one thing I thought was funny here just before they show up when they're messing around with stuff on the bridge. So Millie explains to like Torres and some, I think Keithron that the high mega cannon on this one can be used from the gun platforms or the sub bridge. And then, so judo starts just pressing buttons and it's doing things with that high mega particle cannon. Yeah. Like he's like, Oh, what are these do? Oh, it just extends it. Okay. Like <laughs> nothing happens, but I was like, He's like one button away from just blowing up everything. <laughs> Boom. Sorry, Lavi and Rose. Um, yeah, so they kick they kick the kids off the bridge. Um, and we it starts sounding like the orphan brigade might get broken up and everybody might not be able to fly on the argument anymore. Yeah. Well, the I think what we skipped because I was talking and taking a step. Oh, yeah. Those guys that showed up are Anaheim crew and they thought they thought that they were being they stationed on that ship. ship. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They are assigned to the ship. Um, and this is where Bright learns that the kids are being replaced, according to AUG at least, um, because basically because the AUG can't control the kids. They're not commissioned officers or anything along that line. They don't have any training. So the AUG's like, ah, eh, nah, it's maybe, maybe um, 14, 15 year old kids are not the best people to run a, a ship. And, and Bright is like, wait, what? Well, and, and what we also learn here in the dialogue, because Ayug was beat all to hell after Zeta and yep. that battle at Grips. But you know, this this series has been running in the UC calendar at this point. Uh, I didn't I had it written down a couple episodes ago, but like nine, ten months since then. Yeah. Or I might be off at least half a year in, in, inside of a year, yeah. but not like. Far off. The point is that Madchar is making is while you've been on Earth, the AU has had time to like rebuild. They're basically yeah. like we have we have people now. We can handle this. We don't need these teenagers you picked up to do things. But but Bright does fight against it. Um, he, he says, "Yeah, he he made a he specifically specifically called out everyone on the crew was getting replaced. They were training an entirely new crew, and the only person that would be carried over would be Bright. Literally, no one yep. from that in the ship would carry over." Yep. Yeah. So, um, uh, and I forgot to mention, Emery was in the room, um, and she just opens the door, and all the kids kind of fall in because they were listening at the door uh, to Mad Char and Bright. Um, the kids are all like, Bright didn't even get to see his family and you're, you're going to fuck with him like this, you know? <laughs> um, Bright's like, yeah, I should have gone and seen my family. Fuck you, A.U. <laughs> and Emery looks very disappointed about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and Bright for his, for, for his self is, uh, he's like, ah, oh, shit, I shouldn't have said that. I forgot Emery was in the room. Um, you know, he, he and I think like this is where we learned from Bright that he's he wants to start a family with Emery so he can abandon her as well. Welcome to the New Type Flash podcast, Gundam Analysis. You will not get anywhere else. Um, so this is where Judo and Madchar start to argue. And uh, Judo's all saying that the reason that they're having a hard time is he's saying you you did not take stopping Haman seriously when you had the chance. And Bicha and Mondo just keep making him matter. They're like, you couldn't even stop the Earth Federation from giving him side three. Um, he, and he Bright. Says, uh, 
they're just as bad as the what does he say as the higher ups on earth something like that yeah yeah and mad charts looking over to bright like aren't you going to stick up for me and bright's like darn i never could teach these kids any manners i tell you <laughs> yeah yep yeah and they kind of just blame the federation and it's like nah why won't these kids listen to me damn it um so it's battle time we haven't had a fight this this episode yet so alarms go off um and we see a rose we get to see Ilya Pazom with Marshima. He's back, guys. He's back. And uh, How do you from say last that name again, what's that? How do you say that name again? Ilya Pazom. Il- Ilya Pazom. Yep. Pazom. Yep. Yep. And and wow, we're talking. We got some pink hair, heavy metal outfit. I mean, this is like almost straight he, out of Elgheim or something here. He is eighties as. Look, I mean that—that's—that's that's all the women that uh that Marshma associates with, right? Like, top three '80s-looking characters in the show. Top three. Yeah. Um, I would say Ilya. Uh, what, what's the girl's name uh, from earlier in the series? Chara. Yeah, Chara. Chara or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I do. Uh, guy with the turtle tattoo. <laughs> I'm blanking on his name now. You know who I'm talking about, Scotty. Yazan? Yes. Yeah. Oh, Those, oh, I think of him more as a Zeta character, so Yeah. He is but, in this. He is but, in this. But yeah. with the with the chest open, I'm gonna give him a, a good eighties character. I mean you know, otherwise I, I think you have to go with um Rakan, I think, with the, the whole aesthetic with the with the outfit and the castle and he's just goonishly evil but not in a like he's meant to be serious sure. but you can't sure. take him seriously you know yeah yeah anyway um yeah so marshma gives uh Ilya a rose and tells her to take care of it um and he's sad that he had to do the colony drop we actually learned in the last episode that it was him that did the colony drop but this is the first time we actually really see anything more than like a silhouette of them. Um, yeah. But then you immediately question if Mashima's really changed all that much because he follows this up by saying some really cringy stuff about how the rose just weighs too heavily on him now because of this. And a knight sometimes must also be a poet and just the typical like Chuni Mashima stuff. Yep. Yep. So he, he sends out a scout team, um, to, to see what's up he and um he, he actually does seem a little bit more in charge than he did uh he seems to have matured somewhat or like let uh, i don't know I, he did drop a colony yeah. so he has well, some skills right what you're seeing here is something symbolic he gives the rose to someone else and then he immediately sits down and starts to competently give orders yeah yeah um and he orders uh and it's funny because like as he's talking and giving orders Ilya is like getting kind of horny and he's like and launch the Zissa unit um, so we get to see some Zissas have we seen Zissas before in this show yeah but it's been a while yeah we saw yeah, one on we saw some on Shangri-La okay yeah. um, so the kids want to launch but uh, they are not qualified because they're children Um 
Judo points out that the real soldiers suck and can't even defend the base. Um, so there's, there's of course, fighting back and forth. And um, the kids are faster. They race to, this, to the mobile suits and get on them and uh, take off before the soldiers can get there. Um, Bright orders the real soldiers to man the turrets uh, as the kids run the bridge. Because the, 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 these guys are like, we're not we're not turret officers. We're bridge officers. And Bright's like, man, go shoot. Go shoot yeah, I think he makes a comment about it. He, he's like, yeah, but you don't have any actual combat experience. Yeah. And go get do. it. Go, go sit on the turrets. Go fire them. Which I think they immediately proceed to not do. I don't remember if they get in Because I think a few minutes later, like two minutes later, someone makes a comment about how the turrets are unmanned. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yep. So, um, so all the Zissas um, start just launching missiles and pretty much use up all their missiles pretty quickly um, as the Argama launches. Um, the other suits are kind of heading towards them. Um, yeah, and and yeah, Bright is yelling at the soldiers who they refuse to run the turrets um, as Ilya attacks the Argama and blows a hole in it where Shintakum and the two soldiers uh, that were at the turret just get sucked out. Um, Judo launches in the double Zeta to face Ilya's suit. Is she in this, is this as well? She's in a re-Gelgu. You know, I think and this is the first time we saw the re-Gelgu, right? Because it's yeah. kind of... Yeah. It kind of looks like uh, a cubelet, but not exactly a cubelet. So the Regelgu, there's not a lot to say about it. So let me just go through it real quick here. This is literally an upgraded Gelgoog. Okay. Like it's the old Xeon Gelgoog, but it is upgraded. It has some bigger shoulders for thrust, some backpack missiles and so on with more armaments and stuff. And then the only real major change Technology-wise, is it has that panoramic input that we start to see in Zeta. So it's got that upgraded technology in there for visibility for the pilot. Um, but otherwise, yeah. it It's also red. Right, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a Gelgoog with a new hat. Yep. Um, yeah, so the, the Zissas have all retreated except for uh, Ilya's. Um, and then the suit touches him so judo launches into double zeta and they touch each other and they like resonate with each other and this is where we see that it's a re red um regelgu or re regelgu re regelgu re re okay all right um and so at the same time that these guys are fighting each other um bright launches in a rescue ship um to get the guys that fallen out of the ship and she tend to um, and Ilya and uh, judo just keep like resonating with each other at, at random points. Um, it, it seems to be anytime they make contact with one. Yeah. Another. Anytime there's like, I don't want to say skin to skin contact, but like bot to bot contact or anything like that. Just physical contact in any way. Yeah. Anytime there's any level of connection between them. Yeah. Well, we, we know that, when the suits touch each other, that's when pilots can communicate, even if they're not on the same like frequency. Yeah, that's part of the impossible sci-fi of Gundam that really goes unexplained. I don't think we've mentioned it on the show in the while, 
but yep. in like the novels, it's referred to as skin touch. Yeah. And so basically what's happening here is you can, or at least what you can imagine is happening is the same phenomenon that would allow that is causing this sort of new typey reaction to occur. And Ilya at one point kind of backs off and she describes it as something that feels like electricity running through her body. Um, of course, she, maybe I should also just get the suit's wiring checked out for for something, you know, make sure you're not about to just be electrocuted in the middle of space. That's that's fair. Yeah. Um, so Marshmallow is pissed that the Ziss has returned and orders them to a bridge to the bridge for spanking. Um, Which is fair. They when we talked about them before, they have a lot of missiles and they've just fired them all and turned around and left. Yeah. I mean, that's no, you don't know. And I think he goes on at one point. Maybe it's another scene. It's, he's like, it's later. It's later on. Okay. okay like at the yeah. very end, oh, he's, yep. he chastises them. Um, yeah. So Bright manages to rescue everyone. Um, but uh, a barrage of missiles launches towards Judo while he's talking to Judo. Did you notice? I really enjoyed this when Bright is rescuing Shinta and Kumanharo and those dudes with that like tow cable. Yeah. Haro grabs the cable. With his mouth. Like I did a, not notice the Haro grabbing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like a little Pac-Man or something. That's funny. Um, yep. So Judo is is being attacked. And so he gets away from uh, Bright to draw the fire away from the, the rescue ship. Um, and so he can also change the pace of the battle. Um, he... <laughs> Yeah, and this is where we see Bright. I think he like gets an out, outside arm, like a little retractable arm that grabs him at some point, and then they grab they like hold on to the, the tow cable. Um, so Judo is is having issues fighting Ilya. Um, she's fast and she's good. Um, so he is firing at her behind an asteroid, and he kind of tricks her by taking the core fighter out of the uh, double Zeta and basically like wrapping the double Zeta around the asteroid and setting it to auto fire um, just straight. So she, she can't tell that that the core fighter is gone. So she comes around and even makes a comment like, what's it firing at? So we know that in, in retrospect, we know she's being just fired at automatically, not like at any aiming or anything like that. Um, uh, I, I keep having to jump back a little bit. Sorry. Um, but the part of the fight sequence right before this thing with the asteroid, uh, it, it's some of the keyframes here are freaking like really, really good looking. Um, there's there are parts of this fight, parts of it that are just insanely well done. It seems like they they I mean, we've mentioned this before story wise, like this, the story's gotten a lot better. But like, I, f- I feel like art wise and design wise of the suits and everything they've really started paying more attention to things and, and just doing a better job in general would have been now would this have been i didn't look at the air date would our bubble economy be ramping up at this point <laughs> um i don't know i don't know maybe <laughs> um yeah so yeah it, she flies around to kind of uh hit at him and then she notices that the suit's missing a little bit. Um, and he like shows up, he shoots, shoot comes out from behind her, shoots some missiles, 
hits her and damages her, but she just grabs the core fighter. Um, and um, then she like, he gets out of the suit and is like talking shit to her. And she's like, well, I'm going to fucking kill you. And he like makes her hit the cockpit uh, with her own suit's hand. And it opens the cockpit, which is like a terrible design. Uh, and he like goes in to like uh, grab her or something. And she like shoots a gun out and they both go for the gun and he touches her and they resonate again. And she freaks out um, and she like backs off. And as uh, the Zeta is firing at her and she's like, if I wasn't damaged, I'd be able to kill you and flies away. The Mark two. Oh, was it the Mark two? Yeah. Um, yeah. But she she's getting fired at, so she retreats. Um, I like how when uh, right after she retreats, L looks at what Judo's done, like this overly complicated plot to just get in there and shoot her that almost worked. Yeah. Uh, but she just looks at the double Zeta and she's like, "What what happened here? <laughs> what was going on?" Um, and oh yeah, I'm looking at it. So this episode aired in March of '86, and. Uh, ramping up is correct. I was looking at a graph of the uh, Japanese real estate asset price bubble. And yeah, ramping up at this point. Not at its peak, but yeah. Money, money, money. Um, yeah, so this is where we see Marshmallow chastising the Zissa team for not using anything other than missiles. So he's like, you guys know you have fucking beam sabers, right? <laughs> Yeah, that was my favorite part. He's like, you are aware you have laser swords, right? <laughs> yeah, and then Ilya shows up, and Marshma's like, the rose. You ruined the fucking rose. Um, well, it's at this, it's at this point, um, he didn't explicitly call the rose out as Haman's rose earlier. And I made note of that. Was was he like put, he like handed her a rose, and it was implied that it was hers, but it wasn't very explicit. And then it's explicit like, Lady Haman's rose, and you can see that look of like it's a kind of soul draining away from him. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, and he, this he mentions that that it she mentions that it was the uh, double Zeta pilot and that caused it to get damaged. And everything he's like, "Damn you, judo!" And she's like, "Ah, oh, so that is judo." Um, ominous, huh? Um. Judo tells the Argama to uh, head towards the moon and let Brett Bright relax. And that's very much in air quotes, relax in the Lavian Rose uh, for a while. Uh, and Emery is so happy when she sees Bright show up. Um, as Mar- Madchar is like, who the fuck is piloting my brand new uh, Argama? And Bright's like, yeah, don't worry about it. The kids are fine. They've they've got experience. They know what to do. And they're like, yeah, let's head towards side three, guys. Yep. And the uh, Levian Rose sends them optical signal as they leave. It's a good hunting nail Argama. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So that's that's this episode, and uh, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so for the nail Argama. The only real tech notes here, because as Emery tells us, it means close to the Argama. So it's basically the Argama, but now it has more guns, can hold more mobile suits, and 
I don't know if we actually see this in action until maybe Unicorn, but um, oh, I guess spoilers for Double Zeta. My bad. Uh, anyway, it has five catapult launch decks. Mm. And it's it's nicer too. I mean, they they comment that like it's got upgraded tech and everything. And they actually have apple juice dispensers for each pilot in the uh, in the loading bay. That's good. Just you know, kids need their juice before before combat. Of course they do. Yes, Lake Nail Agama. You, you, th- you think that's juice? You think that's juice? That's that's probably like liquefied like amphetamines. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like Red Bull uh, powdered caffeine. Like I don't know, appetite suppressant. I don't know, so just a bunch of shit in there just to get them get them through. So amphetamines, yeah. Diazepam, I don't know. Ooh, I don't know. Parent of, uh, well, uh, it's space. Maybe uppers and downers aren't weighed down by gravity. Well, I mean, we we still have. If you go back to double eighty three, the the main pilot in there, he got like strung out on amphetamines. They didn't say there was amphetamines, but he was definitely taking some. Taking some shit. No, this is what happens when he actually eats carrots. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. All right. You guys got anything else? I got nothing. All right. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Feel free to check us out on Twitter at New Type Flash Pod and wherever else we post stuff, usually Reddit. Thanks. See you again.